The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. Fierce fighting in the Donbass region, warnings from the UN that other countries could be drawn into this war in time. And Ukrainian President uh, Vladimir Zelensky is about to meet King Charles, we're told, in the United Kingdom. We're joined by Duncan Bullivant, who is the CEO of the Henderson Group and International Risk Management Advisory. Duncan, good morning. Good morning. Now, what is going on in the war at the moment? Uh, You know, we're not hearing of any great set pieces, but it seems the Russians are still laying waste to towns in the Donbass region. Yes, it would appear that what is going on at the moment is a a preliminary move of reserves uh, and positioning on the battlefield by both sides, actually, uh, in order to prepare for some kind of much much talked about spring offensive or new offensive i think we should we should probably call it because it looks like it's going to go off before spring proper arrives on the scene uh you know the russians have been seen moving up uh, thousands of, of reservists in, into the combat area the ukrainians are holding on to territory they're not reinforcing in 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 the same way that we would expect to see if they were serious about holding ground they're using a lot of local defense forces, uh, foreign fighters. They're not using the, the, the highly trained uh, and motivated uh, professional elements of, of their armed forces to hold territory at the moment, which is, which is another issue which we can come on to if we have time. Mm-hmm. But it would appear that, 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 that at this stage of the game, the, the Russian forces are repositioning themselves to give themselves an advantage to, 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 to get a bit of space so that they can maneuver for a potential breakout and breakthrough th- through Ukrainian lines in the Donbass area. In terms of uh, weapon superiority, I mean, the, the, the Russians have endless uh, numbers of conscripts, it appears, and may even conscript another half million uh, so they can throw people at this war. But what about uh, what is touted to be uh, an ammunition and weapons shortage on the Russian side? Yes, it's an issue that is facing the Russians, and it's also an issue that is facing the Ukrainians. Uh, the Russians, it would appear, are now using ammunition, which is at least 10, 15 years old, which in itself isn't a massive problem, but it does, it does lead to instability and a lack of reliability within that ammunition. They're definitely scraping, scraping the, the, the barrel. There have been some reports that they've been using ammunition as old as 40 or 50 years old, left over from the the height of the Cold War, then that, that does pose a problem because that ammunition does degrade considerably over, over, over a period of time. The Russians have been reaching out um, to try and replace their, their ammunition shortage. They're obviously talking to the North Koreans and the Iranians. The Iranians, both the Russians and the Iranians, deny that, the, that, that, that they've been receiving weapons uh, from, from Iran. Um, I'm not sure we should necessarily believe them. The North Koreans are, are hot on the list, but again, you know, most of their ammunition stocks are, are pretty ancient as well. But this is not just a Russian problem. You know, if you look at the Ukrainian situation, Ukraine is obviously dependent upon upon the US, particularly for, for the supply of ammunition. You know, the, the, the United States produces or use, uses about 30,000 rounds of 155 millimeter artillery uh, rounds every year. Okay, that's that's what they produce to maintain their stock levels. The, the Ukrainians are using that in, in every two weeks. Uh, when it when it comes to the sort of javelin anti-tank uh, uh, missiles, which were you know, highly publicised nine, ten, eleven, twelve months ago, very effective in, in 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 stopping the Russians in their tracks. 
You know, the Americans only manufacture 800 a year of these things. And so far, 8,500 have been sent to the Ukraine. It's 10 years worth have been sent to the Ukraine, and we believe used in, in, in some capacity. So both, both America and the West are seeing their ammunition levels depleted to a point where there's now a call for greater mobilization of industrial resource. Russia's running out of, out, out of free access to high levels of, of ammunition. So whatever stocks both, both sides have got at this point, they're going to, you know, they've got a choice. They either use it now and, and achieve a breakthrough, and then try and hold on to that, or they or they sit looking at each other, throwing you know throwing small attack after small attack, hoping to hoping to gain advantage. But this ammunition supply issue, it's it's going to become much more significant over the next three to four months. Now, Duncan, you seem to be suggesting that uh, Ukraine is not using its crack regiments uh, to defend these uh, areas in the Donbass. That that the, it's almost designed as a fallback tactic that they'll quickly evacuate uh, using these uh, international brigade soldiers. Um, what is the the rationale behind that tactic? Well, this is almost going back to the Cold War. Uh, the, the the tactic that NATO um, would have deployed had the Russians uh, invaded uh, West Germany uh, was that they would fight they would fight to contain the advance as much as possible and then and then allow a breakthrough so that the the, the Russian forces would become overextended cut off from their logistics chain and then they would they would choose to sort of encircle it and cut it off from the sides and that's a that's a fairly it's fairly well known. It's a, it's a slightly hackneyed um, uh, tactic, but I, I think that the idea that Ukraine falls if they lose the odd town, village, or even city in the Donbass is it, 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 it's it's not realistic. You know, I was always brought up many many years ago as a junior officer to believe that amateurs talk about tactics and professionals talk about logistics. What's going What's going to be decisive for these? Both the, 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 the protagonists in this, in this dreadful war, which is dragging on far too long, is, is their ability to mobilize the right equipment at the right place in, in, the, in the right numbers to, make it, to have a decisive impact. And, and, and on that side, I would say that the ground information and intelligence favors the Ukrainians, but we should never underestimate the ability of the Russians to mobilize mass, as we're seeing in the figures being talked about mobilizing up to between three... 300 and 500,000 uh, conscripts. Yeah, it's it's a lot of people, um, but it's unlikely that it's going to happen at once. It's more likely to be, to be, to be fed in over the next year or so. And finally, and, and briefly, Duncan, the prospects for any kind of peace? It's looking very remote at the moment. I was discussing it with, with some um, former diplomatic colleagues at the weekend, actually. Um, there is no there is no credible voice for peace calling for peace at this stage and again the united nations are, are a voice in the wilderness um it, it is extremely unusual and extremely concerning at this stage in, in what is the most significant war in europe since 1945 that there isn't a much louder voice and a more responsible um western voice in particular calling calling for an immediate ceasefire and, and some kind of negotiated settlement the problem with conflicts of this nature is that it is very easy to sit back and assume that one is in control and that you, you, there's a good that one can predict how these things are going to play out. But there is always the possibility that things happen beyond our imagination and beyond our control, and, and that is why 
um, my my former colleagues and myself at this point would be arguing much harder to say to both sides, you have got to reach some settlement. Um, because the, the, the longer this thing goes on, the more dangerous it is for the world, and the world has had enough, uh, and, and, and we need to get back to back to some kind of negotiating uh, position. But we're not there yet. Duncan Bullivant, uh, CEO of the Henderson Group and International Risk Management Advisory, thank you very much for joining us. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance. Weekdays at 9am on News Talk.